happening, Cowboy Nation? Welcome into another episode of Previewing the Pokes. I'm your host, Josh Criswell. I've got a lot of great stuff coming up for you on today's show. Going to talk to Steve Virgin of the Albuquerque Journal in just a couple minutes to get the breakdown on what to expect from the New Mexico Lobos this weekend. Also going to be joined by my new co-host for the final segment of the show, David Graff, hosts the YO Sports Podcast, does a great job doing TV up in Casper. So excited to have David join the mix for the rest of the season. But before we do that, joined right now by Steve Virgin of the Albuquerque Journal. Steve does a great job covering the Lobos down there. And it's, uh, I guess, a little bit of what both of these teams hope will be a bounce back week. Cowboys coming off two straight losses. New Mexico looking to get back in the wind column after about a month and a half. You know, for you, what's your, uh, I guess, initial thoughts heading into this weekend's matchup? Yeah, it's just a, it's a huge game for both teams, you know. Both teams want to get on the, in the wind column. Um, I think it's going to be a, a hard-fought type game, you know, low scoring probably. But um, two teams that are just really, really hungry for a win. Um, I would imagine that Wyoming is, uh, you know, hungry for vengeance as well. They want to get a little bit of revenge. A game they should, probably felt they should they should have won last year. I think that game they entered about favored by 16 and a half points. And in this game, they're favored by 20, you know. So I think it's uh, – I think for that reason, I think it's going to be a good game because it's, it's two teams that are very hungry. Right, and you mentioned last week's game, you know, a tough loss for the Cowboys, big one for the Lobos. You know, what's the thing that you remember the most about that game last year? Oh, it was just uh, unexpected, you know, kind of like if a win were to happen this, this year too, you know. Last year was unexpected because uh, the Lobos were on a five-game losing streak and they're on their fourth quarterback. Um, they, you know, they, they were competitive in those losses, but it was still a big surprise because of that reason, because of they, they'd been losing. Um, they weren't at home. You know, they were in Las Vegas on the road because of the pandemic and the restrictions here in Albuquerque. But, you know, this, somehow they found a way. I think uh, – they went, they, they're kind of like preaching the same thing this week. They want to go back to fundamentals, go back to the basics. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it's, it's something that they really believe in because they kind of got out of their, you know, they kind of got out of their element these past few weeks. And I think they just want to make things simple and basic, kind of like last year. You know, they were just very loose in that, that game. Um, they had a, you know, nothing to lose mentality because they, <laughs> You know, in reality, they had nothing to lose. You know, they were down to their fourth quarterback, and he got hurt during the game. And it was just a, you know, not to sound too dramatic, but it was a magical moment for them, you know. They were on a five-game losing streak, 14-game losing streak overall. It was Coach Danny Gonzalez's first win. So, it was, you know, it was a huge, it was a huge uh, win for them, very memorable as far as things go in his rebuilding project for this program. Danny Gonzalez got his first career win against the Cowboys last season. This year, you know, uh, finally, I guess, getting his first real offseason and kind of somewhat of a normal season together. Um, for you, what's the biggest thing that's stood out about him and anyone in particular on the staff that we should know about? Um, well, at, at this time, there you know, there's definite frustration. Frustration because of five losses, and they didn't expect to be losing this way as far as the manner goes. Uh, they didn't expect to be playing this these many young players, especially at um, key positions, uh, offensive line, they weren't expecting to be playing so many young young guys. But um, 
throughout this week so far, you know, they just kind of been talking about sticking to the plan as far as rebuilding goes and not getting too frustrated, not getting, you know, losing, losing sight of what, what the main goal is. And it's all about, it's all about development right now. And, um, it doesn't mean that they're okay with the losing, you know, far from that. They really hate the losing, but, um, the, the main key right now is, uh, developing, developing these young players and the recruiting. They're very, uh, focused on the recruiting. They had a lot of, a lot of recruit, a lot of visitor recruit visitors last week for the, for that game against uh, Colorado state. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think they're just not losing sight of that. And it's, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been a learning experience for them, but overall, I think, I think it's impressive. You know, I think it's impressive just to see the rebuilding project because it's been so bad these past uh, three or four years with the program. And this is, like you said, year two for Dan Gonzalez, basically his first year because, you know, last year was a pandemic. But um, I think, uh, I think overall they're on the right track. You know, it's a, the only way that's going to tell is time, you know, through that, through time, I would say maybe in another couple of years, we will start to see them turn the corner. Maybe if this uh, recruiting plan is going to, you know, to plan and it looks like it is I just uh, from my perspective, but we'll see, you know, we'll see in a couple of years. Yeah. Young Lobos team, obviously, but you know, one of the veterans that's really stood out, has been Terry Wilson jr. At quarterback. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording that both of these teams are going through a little bit of a, question mark about who's going to get the first snaps on Saturday, Wyoming by their own choice, uh, New Mexico, definitely not by their own choice, dealing maybe with a little bit of health issues for Wilson. Uh, you know, what's the outlook, you know, if he takes the field and, you know, what's waiting behind him if he's not able to go out there on Saturday? Uh, you know, I think he's, you know, he's, he seems like he's pretty close to, to full health. He was, he was out there in practice a little bit today. Um, this is, it's his non-throwing arm, you know, elbow and non-throwing arm. Um, still a bit of soreness there. Uh, he wanted to play last week. Coach didn't let him. Um, seemed like he was close, but then again, you know, he's not, he's not fully out there in practice yet. It's going to, it's looking like a game time decision again, like last week. And, you know, like I said, it seemed like he was close last week, but then again, he's not, he hasn't been practicing. So if he's ready, they're definitely going to go with him. They have, they have a game plan with him. Um, and they they've been sp- kind of splitting the reps. It, it seems between uh, two freshmen, one true freshman, CJ CJ Montez, who got the start last week, and Isaiah Chavez, you know, who came in last year after uh, Connor Janal got injured and led the team to victory. And Isaiah Isaiah's he's missed the first six weeks because of a concussion. He got cleared, and um, looks like he's a full goal. He has been a full goal, and he's definitely in the mix to become the starter if. Terry Wilson can't play. And, you know, a lot of people here in Wyoming, I think, are looking at this just with the Cowboys' recent struggles, and then they see, you know, the record and everything for New Mexico, and they automatically are assuming this is going to be a bounce-back game. But, you know, looking at the stats and looking at how much the Cowboys have struggled to get going passing the ball, I mean, uh, New Mexico ranks second in the Mountain West with holding opponents to around 52% passing. You know, what's the, the thing that's impressed you the most on that side of the ball? Yeah, defense, it just seems like they get better each week, you know, even um, even against a team like San Diego State, you know, at that time they were ranked number 25 in the nation. 
and they they really hung with him, the defense especially. And uh, they had they had some really bright moments. Uh, linebacker Ray Lutelli, Ray Lutelli had a had a scoop and score, um, strip scoop and score on the running back, and it was a huge play. And these defense this defense seems to make uh, big plays each week. Um, like I said, they they seem to get better each week. And I, you know, I in my opinion, I think their strength is stopping the run, but they have, they have gotten better against the pass. You know, they. They did get beat on the pass a few times last last week. You know, they Colorado State has some talented players. You know, Trey McBride is going to be playing on Sundays most likely, and he showed that last week. And, uh, yeah, you know, overall, I think it's a defense that doesn't have much depth, but they do have some playmakers there. And I think, you know, I think it's going to be um, a good game. I expect a good game in that sense because it's um, – you know, Wyoming is always known for their defense, and I think there's this is two teams with two good defenses. You know, you mentioned it earlier on the show. Uh, Vegas has Wyoming as a twenty point favorite heading into this yeah. one. What's uh What's your prediction for for Saturday? I'm gonna say it's gonna be a little bit closer than that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I'd be surprised to see a game go away like that. But you know, I said the same thing last week. You know, I, I was kind of expecting a close game last week, but. The game got away from them last week too. You know, I think I think uh, Wyoming's definitely capable of of being dominant in a game like this, especially with uh, UNM, especially with New Mexico having so many young players, so many freshmen. Like I said, they're developing so many so many players, and meanwhile, Wyoming has shown earlier in the season that they're a very strong team, and they're very hungry. They're playing at home, you know. I, I can I can see them being a dominant a dominant team in a game like this, but what do I expect? I do expect a close game. I do because um, you see a defense that's been getting better each week. Like I said, with uh, New Mexico, it's just been getting kind of tired and some bad breaks from the offense. They need they need the offense to kind of make some plays at least. And I think um, a change in the game plan as far as offense goes is going to be very uh, beneficial for the Lobos. But we'll see, you know, yeah, overall, I do expect a closer game. I do. You just heard from Steve Virgin of the Albuquerque Journal. Steve, really appreciate it. Make sure to follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Virgin for all things New Mexico State this weekend. Steve, really appreciate it. Should be a good one this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a really good one. All right, now as we do every week, going to close out the show with a quick look back at last week as well as a look ahead to the Cowboys' next opponent. Going to be doing things differently from now on out. Have David Graff co-hosting with me the rest of the way as we do this podcast throughout the rest of the season and beyond. And David, I'll throw it over to you. You know, explain to the listeners a little bit about what we're going to be doing and I guess give me your initial takeaways from last week's disaster against Fresno State. It's kind of what Robert and I used to do on the Wild Sports Podcast until Josh stepped in here and he's our Pokes correspondent. So we're just going to get together every every week, talk 10, 15 minutes about the Pokes, keep it, keep it as real as we can. Certainly have to keep it real honest after last weekend's just – that was a disaster. It was a disaster against Fresno State. I don't, there's no other way to put it. They scored zero points. Watching it on the sidelines, just down there from the field, I'm, my job is to get highlights for the 
for the television and it's real hard to put them together when there are zero University of Wyoming highlights. There was the closest thing to a highlight were two plays in the first quarter that ultimately didn't even matter because they were ended by the, the sack that I don't know. Josh and I talked a little bit about it on Saturday. Sean Chambers on a third down got called for a sack that didn't end up I, – I, I'm not sure where he was tackled. I showed Josh the video after the game, and I – oh, man. Just that Fresno State game was – it was brutal. I'd expect the team to come back, bounce back. I mean, what, what was it like from your vantage point, Josh? Yeah, I think very early on you mentioned one of them, but there were two really big plays that went against the Cowboys. You know, they had the stop. Rome Weber made a terrific tackle with a big hit near the sideline that should have set up a field goal attempt after Fresno State got the ball back deep in Wyoming territory. And then all of a sudden you see that flag for targeting. Wyoming fans weren't happy about it, but but by the letter of the law, you have to call that targeting. Like once once we saw the replay and once we saw that it was going to review, there was pretty much no doubt that he was going to be tossed for targeting. Fresno gets the quick touchdown. And then as you mentioned, Cowboys really seem to bounce back on that next drive. They're driving down the field and then they I think it's a false start. It's kind of this same story we keep see repeating for the Cowboys the past few weeks where you take one step forward and two steps back on the offensive side of the ball. But as you mentioned, you know, Sean Chambers wrapped up in the backfield. Maybe the referees haven't seen him play before. He's not a statue back there. So I don't know why you're blowing the play dead, you know, before he's definitively being taken to the ground. But that should have at the very worst been a makeable field goal attempt with him uh, spinning out of the sack that ended up being a six yard loss to push him out of field goal range. And at the very least, I mean, he breaks out of that and there's, you know, one or two defenders around him, but he has room to run. That has the potential to be a potential first down. Uh, So really two game changing plays, but you can't pin it all on that. It was just an all around woeful effort by the Cowboys offense, you know, six quarters without a point. I think they've driven into opposing territory eight times in that span, no points to show for it. So definitely not good. I think the one bright spot has to be the defense. I think the Cowboys have made a very solid case as arguably the best defense in the conference need to assure things up a little bit in the run game, but top passing defense in the conference and no one else is really close. I think they're averaging close to 30 yards less than the number two team in the league. So definitely some positive takeaways, uh, but definitely a lot of things to be concerned about heading into this weekend's game against New Mexico and beyond. Yeah, that going back to that Rome Weber targeting call, that was about five yards away from me, and it was pretty obviously targeting. I was surprised that the flag didn't come out sooner, but that's just one of those plays where it's like, I mean, it's a football play. You can't fault a guy from – going and making a tackle, but it, it ended up biting them. The other thing about the offense, it doesn't feel like the offense is that far away in terms of they're moving the ball down the field. They're just not – once they get like past midfield, I don't know what happens. I don't know what the block is or what, but they get to about the opponent's 40-yard line, and it's, like you said, false start holding call, taking a sack, something that just drives them back. The other thing is most of the interceptions this past past Saturday, there were four of them, if 
if you lost count. I don't blame you. I think at least three of those passes were tip passes. Therefore, they could have gone either way, especially the last one, the one that Levi threw. I think it hit somebody at the line of scrimmage, and then it hit Everhart in the chest and then somehow tipped off his hands and into – I think that was Evan Williams who had another – interception just a great name by the way evan williams for fresno state he had a massive game against the seems like he should be playing somewhere in tennessee or kentucky right right you know he's he's in the wrong wrong ag country over there in fresno but i'm intrigued to see this this just kind of leads us into you know the next the next thing we've been talking each week josh and i carpool every time the pokes are at home to the games so we get our initial thoughts before the game and then after the game as well. What what do you think we're going to see from quarterback on Saturday against New Mexico? Coach Bowl has said they're splitting the reps evenly this week between just Levi and Sean Chambers. What do you think we're going to see? Who do you think is going to be the first guy in the huddle for the Pokes at quarterback on Saturday? I honestly have no idea, to be honest with you. It's it's one of those things where they're keeping it very close to the vest. They're clearly not going to give away any tell to New Mexico. I mean, it sounds like that we're going to find out who the starter is whenever the offense goes out there for the first time on Saturday. But it's tough to tell. Everyone knows the amount of faith that Coach Bull and the Cowboys have in Sean Chambers at quarterback. But after the last couple of weeks, even going back to the UConn game, it's hard to ignore the lack of production in the passing game. And even whenever you do get the production, as you mentioned, there kind of seems to be that mistake here and there, whether it's his fault or not. Also, I think about the quarterback position. I think something that's being overlooked in all of this is that it's hard for a quarterback to be productive when he has almost no time to throw the ball. I think probably the biggest thing, as much as the passing game gets spotlighted, is they need to get better play from the offensive line. Xavier Valadier and Titus Swinner getting hit almost immediately after they get the ball handed off to him. And even with Chambers, I mean, the mistakes you see him making, it's generally not mistakes where he's sitting in a clean pocket making a pass. It's whenever he's running away from pass rushers, he sees blocks break down. So I think it's kind of an all-around effort, but it'll be interesting. I I would kind of like to see what you have from Levi just after the past month or so with the way the passing game's going. You don't have to stick with that for the rest of the season. But I think in a game where, you know, as we've seen before, you know, the Cowboys have been favored by almost three touchdowns and it almost ended up in a loss against Montana State. But, you know, you're favored by 20 points. Not to mention the game. UConn. Yeah, not, not, let's not forget UConn. But the, uh, it's one of those where you should win comfortably. And with the way the passing game's going, I don't know how there can be that much of a drop-off, I guess, especially from what we saw last week. You weren't around in 2020, so the New Mexico game, just that haunted me for like a month, losing 17-16, a very weird game in Las Vegas. Yeah, New Mexico was playing their home games in Las Vegas due to COVID stuff back in Albuquerque, but I, I kind of agree with you. I'm, I've been a staunch Sean Chambers supporter. I still think he's a good college football quarterback, and he wins games. You got to see what you have in Levi at this point. Sean Chambers hasn't done enough to justify his stance as being, you know, as he hasn't done enough to prevent a, a quarterback competition. 
It's that simple. And so I think against New Mexico in a game that if it ends up being closer than three touchdowns, it would not surprise me given the way these last the last month has gone for the Cowboys. But you got to see what you have in Levi. You just – the offense at least had somewhat of a jolt when he initially got out there. The fans wanted to see him. It's one of those tough calls because I think Sean Chambers is – the better guy to lead the team, but Levi Williams might be the better guy on the field. And so with that, you got to go with what's best for the guys on the field. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that makes it hard to go against Sean is his record as a starter. Even after the last two games, I think he's like 13 or 14 and five as the Cowboys starter. And we've seen how bad that they've struggled when he's not out there with last season being a perfect example. Although I will say that Levi was dealing with, I believe it was a shoulder injury throughout pretty a big chunk of that season. So he wasn't even really fully healthy until earlier this year. So I don't think we necessarily got to see the full Levi Williams potential. Also another year to grow. I think we should see some improvement there. But I think one thing too, that he didn't necessarily say it explicitly but it also it almost sounded like during Coach Bull's press conference on Monday that he almost left the door open that we could see both of them out there. I think a uh, best case scenario is maybe you have Levi out there. Even if he does get the start, then you bring in Sean for some of those short yardage. You need a running quarterback or even a guy that you want at the bootleg. Um, obviously, Levi can move around too, but Sean just has that kind of power running aspect you don't usually see at the quarterback position. So I'd like to see him maybe in some goal line sets, even if he's not the starter. I think we'll still see Sean out there at some point in the game. I definitely think we're going to see both quarterbacks, whether it's Sean Chambers at the start or Levi Williams at the start. Kind of want to circle back to the offense just as a whole. You kind of mentioned it. The offensive line needs to play better. It's hard to pass the ball if you can't run the ball. And it's, it, it's one of those – the two things, are, they're, they're symbiotic. They go together. You need to be able to run the ball, to pass the ball, pass the ball, to run the ball. And you can't rely on Sean Chambers to be able to be the only source of running the ball and passing the ball. So I want to get back to the early play calling. We discussed it on the way to the stadium on Saturday. We'd like to just kind of see – some short passes, some easy wins for the offense. And I don't know if those plays are being called and Sean Chambers has just missed them. He's not going with his first read or it, because it seems like they've had a lot of vertical passes downfield, which hasn't, it just hasn't been effective. So at that point, I feel like you got to maybe change things up a little bit. Yeah, I think getting the tight ends involved is key. I think we saw it early on in the game, and maybe I just missed it, but it seemed like we didn't see near as many of those tight end opportunities down the stretch. Uh, I did notice they were trying to go with that deep ball a lot, but I will say that prior to these last two weeks, they'd been pretty successful whenever it comes to those 50-50 balls. I'd be curious to see what the number is these last two weeks. I know they didn't hit any against Air Force, but – Whenever you have Isaiah Nayer up there, you kind of almost have to give him that chance a few times a game. But I don't think that the deep balls and kind of the slow developing plays necessarily um, 
should take the front seat while you sort of, you know, ignore the tight ends that had gotten you success and helped you move the ball down earlier in the game. I also thought another key moment came, uh, might've been second or third quarter, but Cowboys had started to drive, got to midfield. And then all of a sudden they do like a reverse play and it gets blown up five or six yards in the backfield. And it's kind of all over from there. I think a lot of it's just kind of, you know, getting back to the bread and butter, not to use the cliche, but, you know, Sean Chambers even said it after the game, talking to the media, he said that they need to get back to the basics. And I think that's kind of going to be the key for this offense, get the running game established, hold your blocks, and then start picking teams apart with the pass. Don't necessarily go deep. I think you still do need to take those deep shots, but I think there maybe needs to be a little bit more of an emphasis on those intermediate routes, get, you know, the tight ends, Aiden Eberhardt, guys like that involved in the shorter passing game. The wide receivers also, they just got to make a play. I I don't want to call anybody out, but there are some balls, like Coach Bull has said, where they've hit guys in the hands and – they haven't been able to come up with the play. They haven't been perfect passes right on the shoulder pad, but sometimes you got to make a play for your quarterback and whoever's at quarterback. I think if we see that kind of play from the wide receivers on Saturday, they're going to look really good regardless of whether it's Sean or Levi, because I, I don't know. I, I just think that somebody needs to step up and take charge on the offense and say, this, this isn't happening anymore. We're, we've got to, We've got to rally together and, and make a play, and I think you have the perfect opponent this week to do it against New Mexico. I guess that transitions us into our next topic, going to close things out with some Mountain West contenders and pretenders. But before we do that, got to take a quick look at the New Mexico game. Steve Virgin from the Albuquerque Journal just had some great stuff on this weekend's matchup. But what's what would you say is your biggest key to a Cowboys victory this weekend I think not necessarily a key to victory but something that people are overlooking a a little bit you know people look at this as a easy bounce back game when you look at the point spread and the records but at least with the way that Wyoming has struggled to move the ball through the air I mean they're going up against what I believe is the second best team in the conference when it comes to opponents completion percentage. So it's not going to be a walk in the park for whoever's at quarterback for the Cowboys. New Mexico's given up almost 28 points a game, which when I looked that up, that's a welcome sight for a Cowboys team that hasn't scored in six quarters of football. But the the key is we talked all, all of this talk about, the quarterback and passing the ball, but it's going to be running the ball, whether it's early to get the offense going or just to salt away the game at the end of the game. If you have a lead and if you can't run the ball and keep the lead, keep the ball, keep play a little keep away. As we saw last year, New Mexico, they're, they're pesky. And coach bowl talked all a lot in his press conference about on Monday about his respect for Rocky Long, who was the coach at San, head coach at San Diego State for a long time, and has gone back to New Mexico to be the defensive coordinator. Danny Gonzalez is a pretty solid head coach, pr- fairly familiar with him and his time at Arizona State. He He's also a defensive guy. So New Mexico is going to try to keep this a low-scoring game. And if they are, they're going to be in this game. So I think it's really critical that they're able to run the ball. How about you, Josh? 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think if there's an area to exploit on the New Mexico defense, it has to be in the rushing attack. Given up 13 rushing touchdowns this year, tied for the most in the conference, also ranked near the bottom of the league in total yards allowed on the ground. So I think this is kind of the game where the Cowboys offensive line and that traditional tailback running game finally gets its feet back under it really for the first time since that Ball State game. What what do you expect in terms of do you expect any wrinkles from New Mexico coming up here to Laramie? What what do you think? I don't know. You know, I talked to whenever I talked to Steve Virgin earlier, uh, he kind of mentioned that Terry Wilson Jr., the star quarterback for the Lobos, he's been dealing with a little bit of injury issues lately. So I'm just curious to see who they send out there at quarterback. I think if you have Terry Wilson Jr., you're probably able to run more of your traditional offense. If you're forced to go to your second or third option, then all of a sudden I think, you know, whether it's trick plays, whether it's things that the Cowboys haven't seen on tape, I think that's that's where you might see some wrinkles from the Lobos, but I also think that's probably a best-case scenario if you're a UW. What, what do you think is the number one thing that the Cowboys just have to – they have to bring it on Saturday? What, what is it that they need to do in order to finally get that first Mountain, Confer- Mountain West Conference win? I'm going to go over the defensive side of the ball. I think they need to not only win the takeaway battle, but I think they maybe need to, if not score a defensive touchdown, at least set the offense up in a position where at worst you're kicking a field goal, even if the offense sputters. So I think that's really going to be the big thing. Cowboys are one of the best teams in the country at taking the ball away for the first month of the season. And I'm pretty sure they're losing the turnover battle one to seven so far since they started Mountain West play. So you've got playmakers on that side of the ball. I think one thing to watch is maybe if they're able to um, get some strip sacks in the passing game, I think that would be one thing to keep an eye on, especially if they're able to get up early. I think that's where you could see Wyoming kind of come in and see the game sort of go in the same trajectory that Ball State did. No doubt. The defense is the takeaways. They got to take the ball away, but they've been playing pretty incredibly. The fact that they only allowed 17 points to Fresno State is a minor victory. It's not a victory in the in the win-loss column, but it should be seen as a victory. Well, as you mentioned earlier, let, let's let's just take a look at the conference as a whole. What what do you make of contender? Who are your contenders? And then we'll we'll talk a little pretenders after that. So who who do you have as a contender right now? Obviously, you have the top two in Nevada and San Diego State. I, I release my Mountain West Power Rankings every Friday morning, and I have Nevada still slightly ahead of the Aztecs, but it seems like there's kind of a clear-cut top two right there. Love what I've seen from Colorado State the past month or so. I think Fresno State, they really impressed me with their defense last week. I know it was against a Wyoming offense that hadn't been producing very much lately, but it uh, I think it says a lot. I also thought it was interesting that they were able to kind of find some different ways to have success, even with being held under 100 passing yards. But for me, my contender to watch right now has got to be Air Force. You know, they had that one setback 
against Utah State about a month ago now. But ever since then, they've been rolling, won their last four games, beat Wyoming by double digits, and then beat uh, Boise State by a touchdown last week. So I don't think anybody would have said this, but at this point in the season, uh, you're going to have to talk me out of Colorado State and Air Force being the top two teams in the Mountain Division. Yeah, Air Force beat Boise State at Boise State. So they're not playing around. I really like Air Force as well. Heading into the season, I just thought that they would be a team that was going to be good. They're always obviously tough to match up against with the triple option. They've got that one conference loss against Utah State, which I'm not sure how good Utah State actually is. But Air Force could be that school in the Mountain Division. I think that this might be the worst Boise State team we've had in a while. The fact that Hank Bachmeyer, I don't know what's I don't know what's happened to him. I was talking about this with Robert Munoz, our YO, our fellow YO Sports podcast colleague here, and he he was bringing up the point that coaching, the fact that Hank Bachmeyer has had so many different coaches there the last few years, that could be the thing. But I've just never seen a guy get progressively worse as Bachmeyer has over the last three years he just Robert brought up the shortened 2020 season but something about him when he was a freshman I didn't know why he wasn't starting because he played incredibly and now I wonder why don't they have anybody else to play quarterback so that'll be intriguing in terms of the mountain division because Boise State is usually always there in the west you mentioned it San Diego State Nevada they're gonna duke it out to see who's Who's among the top two? The the only pretenders really that we've gotten are probably Boise State and San Jose State, who have just fallen off from their preseason predictions. So I don't know. What what about pretenders from you, Josh? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think San Jose State definitely falls into that category, but I also think I was a lot less high on them than a lot of people were entering this season. I also think we're kind of seeing what happens to them whenever uh, Nick Starkle isn't running the offense. It's been a, a pretty big disaster for them the past couple of weeks. But for me, I think my biggest pretender has to be Boise State, you know, one of the favorites in the conference. And you mentioned the passing game. I'm more concerned with their run defense, though, at this point in the year, giving up an average of four and a half yards per carry, second to last in the league in run defense. So it's uh, it, it's interesting. You know, the Broncos, they're not a bad team. They had a good win against BYU a couple weeks ago, but they just can't stop the run. Like it it seems like no matter who goes out there, they're going to just bowl over that defense, especially that defensive front. So it's an interesting one. I know it's a few weeks away, but just their struggles on in that particular aspect almost make me think that Wyoming has a decent shot to pull an upset once we get there. Yeah, name to watch for Boise State. George Halani is a running is a running back for Boise. He hasn't been seen since he had four carries for 27 yards against Nevada. He looked really good on those four carries and then just kind of went away, and he hasn't been seen since. That was at the beginning of October. So we'll see what his health is like in terms of whether or not Boise State can eventually run the ball. Same same kind of issues with their offense that are plaguing 
Wyoming. The only difference is they've managed to find the end zone a few times. I, I just I, – I, Boise, to me, just the fact that they're down, seemingly down right now, is always a surprise given that they, you know, have run the conference for so long. Anything else before we wrap this up? That's all I got on the uh, the Mountain West side of things, but I guess, you know, what I traditionally do is I'll close it out with a prediction for Saturday. So what do you got? Prediction time. Put me on the spot. Give me the Cowboys 31, a little bit over that season average of New Mexico. I think that we're finally going to see the Cowboys be able to run the ball, and that'll equate to maybe some of those shots over the top to Nayor, maybe a, a defensive touchdown because New Mexico, certainly offensively, that's not going to be their strong suit. And last year in that game, the Pokes before the end of the first half should have had either a pick six or it would have been within inside the five yard line after a targeting, but they ended up overturning, overturning the pick from Chad Muma. And that, that was a huge momentum shifter in that game heading into half. So this time I think they get the defensive touchdown and the offense looks pretty good. And we all say, wow, why didn't, why hasn't the offense looked this good the last month or so? And so give me the Cowboys 31, give me New Mexico 21. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I went with the Cowboys the last two weeks and they proved me wrong, but I think this week they get back in the win column at least. I'm going to give you two predictions. I'm going to say if if Terry Wilson – I'm going to put the Cowboys at 31 points regardless. If Terry Wilson Jr. plays, I'm going to say it's about 31 to 21. If he doesn't play, I think we're looking at like a 31 to 7-ish type game, maybe even better for the Cowboys defense. As good as they've been and as bad as New Mexico's looked at times without Wilson back there, I think this is kind of the prime game for the Cowboys to get back on track. I'm not going to necessarily take too much away from it just because this is a game you should win by multiple touchdowns, but give me the Cowboys 31 to 21 if Wilson's out there, 31 to 7 if he's not. You're absolutely right. This is a game that the Cowboys should win and they should win convincingly. And if they don't, it's something that we we might have to overanalyze. No doubt. Well, that's all we got for you guys this week. I'm Josh Criswell. He's David Graff. You've been listening to Preview in the Pokes. Make sure to download, listen, and subscribe to the YS Sports podcast and go to yssports.net for all things Cowboys football. We'll talk to you next time. Rise of the brand.